You are listening to Primary Care Perspectives, a podcast where pediatric experts from the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia discuss the primary care issues that are on their mind and the hot topics that all pediatricians see affecting their daily practice. This podcast is for general informational and educational purposes only and is not to be considered as medical advice for any particular patient. Clinicians must rely on their own informed clinical judgment in making recommendations to their patients. Hi, I'm Dr. Katie Lockwood, a primary care pediatrician at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and today I'm talking about teen pregnancy. Joining me is Sarah Jajic, who is a social worker at the Care Network in South Philadelphia. So thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. So we're going to be talking about teen pregnancy, but I wanted to start off with a disclaimer that Sarah is not a lawyer and that much of what we discuss will be state dependent. Um, When possible, we're going to highlight Pennsylvania specific laws and policies since that's where we practice. Um, But you should talk to someone at your state level if you have any questions and look up your own state laws outside of Pennsylvania um, and obviously seek legal advice whenever necessary. So we're going to start with that disclaimer. (laughs) So we're going to start right off with every pediatrician's favorite thing. You have a pregnant teenager in the office um, and not everyone is as lucky as I am to have a Sarah around. So um, walk us through how you discuss options counseling with a newly pregnant teenager who walks into the office. Okay. Um, so yes, usually it's Friday afternoon at the end of the day. Right. When this um, I think that the most important first thing to, to think about is who's in the office because Sometimes kids come in on their own, mm-hmm. um, expecting, maybe having called and requested a pregnancy test, and sometimes they're here for some other reason, and it's your idea to test them for right. pregnancy. And so knowing who is in the office with the kid is like the first big piece of information that I want to know, mm-hmm. and that I think is useful for anyone to know, because it really determines next steps in terms of how to handle talking to the kid about the positive result. Um, and what you need to think about um, with them after that. Mm-hmm. So, um, because a big emphasis is, is involving, hopefully, a trusted adult. And if that trusted adult is already in the office, then um, makes that easier. You, you hopefully it makes that easier. Sometimes it makes it harder, depending right. on the, the kid's situation. Uh, and then a really quick initial assessment about how uh, the kid seems to be reacting to the news. Again, mm-hmm. sometimes they come in, they've already taken a home pregnancy test, mm-hmm. they've already started thinking about what it means, and sometimes they're completely blindsided right. by that result um, here in the office. And so there's a, two really different situations. Mm-hmm. So first assess how they seem to be coping mm-hmm. um, and just do a, a bit of listening. Um, often there's some tears at that point, mm-hmm. and so that part... Uh, can take a while mm-hmm. um, to, you know, want to rush a kid through that initial, especially when it's a shock to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as quickly as I can, assessing the next thing is safety. Um, so both um, clarifying statements along the lines of, my mom is going to kill me, mm-hmm. um, should always have a, a follow-up question. Um, typically, you know, let's go back and talk about that a little bit. Is that my mom is going to be so upset with me and she's going to yell a lot, or do you worry about your physical safety? Mm -hmm. Um, Or if it's mom or grandma or dad or whomever, just really clarifying that there's not a physical safety risk for a kid 
um, if that um, parent or guardian or caregiver found out that they were pregnant. Right. Typically, that's not the case, and then we move on to safety from a mood perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, every now and again, it does make a kid feel really kind of desperate, and mm-hmm. so it's really important to right. um, kind of see if their response seems within the sort of usual sad range and not right. that they're having sort of more acute feelings of desperation and and uh, you know hopefully not but on occasion it has happened that mm-hmm. they're having suicidal thoughts so once you've sort of assessed who is here how do they seem to be taking the information um the news of the pregnancy initially and then um are they safe then getting into more of the the planning piece the next steps for yes them. um which is a complicated conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, it brings up a lot of feelings and emotions, I think, for all of us, mm-hmm. regardless of our opinions. And so I always just try to make it really clear. And I think um, this is something that everybody can say, you know, my job is to help make sure that you have all the information you need to figure out the best plan for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it sort of becomes like a list of things you need to go down as opposed to, um, engaging too much with the meaning behind each of the choices mm-hmm. and I think it helps the kids at that point too because they're kind of swimming mm-hmm. um, a little bit with this helps focus them a little yeah. bit. yeah they're mm-hmm. like what am I going to do what am I going to do what am I going to do but mm-hmm. they actually do need a little bit of a <laughs> plan for what are they going to do right. um again I, really I brought this up before but it's so important is figuring out who is the trusted adult in their life mm-hmm. and starting to think about who could you talk to about who else is going to be able to help you with this Mm -hmm. my job today is to make sure you have the information you need but it's going to be really helpful for you to have somebody supporting you in this process whatever your choice is Mm -hmm. so who is that person for you and in the best case scenario that's the parent and then that is a pretty short conversation and maybe mom is in the waiting room or Mm -hmm. down the hall or right outside the door Mm -hmm. Um, and then we can figure out if it's the right time to bring that person in Mm -hmm. Um, if the kid is here alone and the mom doesn't even know she's at the office um then that's another Mm -hmm. set of negotiations so then i sort of if they've already know they already knew that they were pregnant and they have started thinking about it before they came in then i might ask them what have you been thinking so far Mm -hmm. um and in that case they often already have an idea but if it's news to them um they might have i have no idea what i want to do Right. So then I'd say, well, I have information about, you know, the three basic options and mm-hmm. um, offer them a little bit of information on adoption. Um, I My biggest point with that is there are a lot of places that you can work with. If you're interested in getting more information about adoption, here's one. There are a lot of others. I can mm-hmm. help you find that information mm-hmm. um, and making sure that kids understand that adoption, um, working with a private adoption agency is, does not mean giving your baby to DHS and mm-hmm. all of the scary things that come along with that because I think sometimes kids don't understand that right. that there's this whole other system that exists mm-hmm. um, to help families get connected mm-hmm. um, with a baby. Um, and then we have information about um, places where kids can go for a termination procedure. Most of the time the kids that I meet here anyway don't realize that Pennsylvania is a parental notification state and mm-hmm. so they would need to involve their parent or guardian, uh, legal guardian, um, if they want to have a termination, if mm-hmm. they're under the age of 18. So a little bit of education about that, mm-hmm. um, which is often not good news to them, but mm-hmm. they're 
are things that they can do to um, to work with that system. Uh, and then I have um, some, uh, you know, a resource sheet and some pointers for like things you might want to think about if you're thinking about continuing the pregnancy mm -hmm. and becoming a parent and what that's about. And mm -hmm. um, I sort of try to lay all that out really neutrally and see what they're interested in talking more about mm -hmm. and take their lead at that point. For providers who have some challenges with this conversation for either personal, religious, or political reasons, to avoid putting our own bias in there, how do you suggest, like, what kind of language can we use that presents these things more neutrally? I think kind of taking that, you know, my job is to give you the information that you need to make your choice. Mm -hmm. These are the things we can talk about. What are you most interested in talking about? And really sort of going back to that sort of checklist model. Mm -hmm. uh, it's difficult because it's, of course, it's an emotional, the kids often crying and mm -hmm. you feel so much for them. Right. And you, you know, it's, it's hard to be completely without an opinion about mm -hmm. what would be good, but it, right. the, these conversations are much harder if you, if you allow that to enter in at all. Right. Um, so I really, I, I really encourage everybody and I strive to just make it as much about paying attention to the signs that the kid in front of me is giving me mm -hmm. about what they need. And sometimes they kind of, they, they want the details, but mostly they just want somebody to tell them that it's going to be okay right. and to listen to how they're feeling and... So that doesn't so much depend on your, mm -hmm. your perspective about what they should do. It's just helping them through this moment of mm -hmm. getting their heads around the fact that they're pregnant and they're going to have to make a plan at some mm -hmm. point. And so we, I often talk to kids about you need to take a little time mm -hmm. to sort this out, but also then you don't have unlimited time to make right. decisions. So <laughs> it's kind of a bad It is an expiration date right. pregnancy. And I, and I, and I, I guess I neglected to say that before, but on my, my goals, you know, it's going back to the listening, comforting, reassuring, mm -hmm. um, assessing safety, identifying a trusted adult. And then next on that list is giving a sense of this is a decision you need to make in a timely manner. Mm -hmm. And then I also always put in a little plug for coming back to the office, mm -hmm. um, however you choose to handle this pregnancy once you're no longer pregnant, coming back and mm -hmm. making a birth control plan with mm -hmm. your doctor. Great. Um, just as a side note, um, put it in there. Mm -hmm. So those are kind of the basic points that I try to get through. And I find that when I'm thinking that way, uh, it's easier not to think as much about my opinion. And I think the language is just very fact-based. Mm -hmm. You know, these are, these are your options. Right. Um, and and that, that can help get through those conversations that can be difficult. So a few times you mentioned the importance of getting a trusted caregiver or adult involved. So oftentimes I have teenagers who tell me, can you tell my mom for me? <laughs> can you can you bring her in here and like be present for that conversation? But what about more the scenario where they don't want to tell anyone? As healthcare workers, are we allowed to disclose our patient's pregnancy to their parent or do they have to be the ones that start that conversation? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you, you brought that up because I also, um, I really, when kids ask me to tell their parent for them, mm -hmm. I, I sort of really work on getting them to be the one. I right. say, like, this is the beginning of 
you know, a complicated process right. for you and your decision and your role in it is really important mm -hmm. and that starts with kind of taking ownership and being able to talk to your parent or your guardian directly about the mm -hmm. fact that you're pregnant and I'll be here to support you with it right. and like I'm not going anywhere right. and you know and, it, and sometimes they just really can't get the words out and then we right. help them with that but sure. um, in those cases where they're okay with the parent knowing that I do try to get them to actually be the ones to say it mm -hmm. I think that yeah. starts things off on a better foot um, when they don't want to tell a parent, um, I tend to, um, try to get them to think about the fact that, uh, often the moms already are suspicious. Mm -hmm. right. <laughs> um, I talk to a lot of kids that they, if I say it, they're like, oh, you're right. She does. Like they keep right. track of when their kids have their periods and they right. sort of have noticed. And very, very often if I can convince the kid to tell the parent, the parents in the office, she'll say, I knew. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but it is true that the law also says we cannot tell the parent if the um, if the kid really is firm that they don't want to, and I let them know that it, you know. I really think for these reasons it would be better for your parent or your guardian to know. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you them, for, you know, if you don't for want you. me to, mm -hmm. and the doctor can't, and this is your private information. Mm -hmm. But here are the reasons that I think that they should know. Right. And if they really can't tell that person that they live with, parent, guardian, um, then I try to help them identify another appropriate adult. So it's mm -hmm. ideally not the 18-year-old sister, right. but um, an aunt, or an aunt a godmom, a grandmom. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it's somebody at school, um, but hopefully it's someone within their, their family network. So once a minor keeps their pregnancy and is going down that path towards prenatal care, are their rights to prenatal care universal or state dependent? They are state dependent. Um, it would be interested to to know how often, even in a state that technically could notify a parent, how often that actually happens. Mm -hmm. But in Pennsylvania, kids can access prenatal care without mm -hmm. um, parental notification, and mm -hmm. so. Okay. Great. Does a parent of a pregnant minor need to consent for an abortion, and is this state-dependent? So um, in Pennsylvania, yes, it is state-dependent. Uh, it seems that most states have some form of parental notification mm -hmm. law. Um, Pennsylvania does um, uh, for, for kids under the age of 18. Um, New Jersey and New York do not mm -hmm. um, currently. Uh, so, um, sometimes kids make choices to, to try to get procedures done in, in other states. Um, there is the judicial bypass process in, I, I think, all of the states that have the parental notification mm -hmm. um, law. I imagine some states that's a higher hurdle mm -hmm. to um, overcome than in others. And in, in, here in Pennsylvania, it seems like it's pretty manageable if a kid goes to the trouble to request a judicial bypass mm -hmm. and goes through that process that they are very likely to have it granted. Mm -hmm. um, but it's have a teen who's motivated enough to do all those steps too. And again, to get the information mm -hmm. and the pediatrician's office is maybe the only place that they've heard about that. Right. So. So we talked a little bit about how there is some timeliness to all these decisions. Obviously, pregnancy is a finite period. Also, the window for which you can terminate a pregnancy is a finite period. So approximately, 
what is the timeline from when we see a patient in our office diagnose pregnancy until the time when reasonably they may have their abortion? Like how long does that whole um, kind of counseling and everything um, process typically take? And so we can have an, a sense of like how much urgency to give them depending on how pregnant they are. Yeah, so definitely um, having a ballpark idea of how pregnant they are is mm-hmm. really important and, and does guide uh, that initial conversation about mm-hmm. how much time you can take to process the shock right. and the feelings and, <laughs> and, and um, get up the nerve to, to tell a, a, a parent or a guardian or whomever. Um, but in a, in a scenario where the kid um, is able to give parental consent and um, money isn't, and that's mm-hmm. another thing we should talk about definitely, um, isn't an issue, then, um, you know, Planned Parenthood or the Women's Center here in Philadelphia are able to, to schedule a procedure mm-hmm. um, within a week. Um, oh, okay. The um, scheduling, if the funding is available, is quite um, fast. Mm-hmm. Um, the judicial bypass process adds mm-hmm. time if that is necessary, uh, although they are also very responsive in that process with a motivated kid who shows up when she's mm-hmm. scheduled to show mm-hmm. up to meet with the attorney and then meet with the judge, mm-hmm. which are, again, are two separate days, mm-hmm. um, can happen within a week as well. Okay. Um, okay. So it, it really more often the delays come down to um, issues of um, parental consent mm-hmm. Um, not requiring judicial bypass, just a kid who's just sort of right. not quite ready, not quite ready to tell a parent, or um, getting together their share of the cost of the procedure. Mm-hmm. So in talking about costs, at the time of this recording, 25 states restrict abortion coverage in insurance exchange plans. So what is a team to do if they can't afford an abortion that they've chosen? So it is um, another place where knowing about how pregnant a kid is mm-hmm. when you're first diagnosing the pregnancy is, is useful mm-hmm. um, because the cost of a termination procedure goes up so much as, mm-hmm. as, as the weeks progress. Um, but an early pregnancy um, is, is typically more manageable mm-hmm. for a kid financially. Um, there is assistance through here in Philadelphia, the Greater Philadelphia Women's Medical Fund, um, the National Abortion Federation, I believe, also can provide some supplemental funding. And both the Women's Center and Planned Parenthood, which are the two primary um, abortion care providers in Philadelphia, are very, very well versed with all of the funding um, mm-hmm. assistance that's available and really work with women um, to make it financially possible to get a termination Um, but they are looking for some contribution from the the kid or the family Mm -hmm. so that is often a complicated piece Mm -hmm. for 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 our patients to navigate Mm -hmm. but there is support for them with it that's great as you know knowing me as a pediatrician one of the hardest parts of having a teen patient become pregnant is losing some of that contact Mm -hmm. with my patient as they transition over to an OBGYN office. So what are some of the things that we in pediatrics should do to help that transition? And then like you said, the later return of that patient to our clinic, either as our patient still, or depending on their age, um, or as the parent of our patient now. Yeah, I mean, that's a a 
kind of the silver lining to me of the uh, teen pregnancy is the is the continuity we get and the um, opportunity to develop a different kind of relationship with mm-hmm. that teen as a parent of a of a newborn right. um, at our office. Um, I I mean this is obviously anecdotal, but I, I nearly all of the um, young women that I have seen here in mm-hmm. our office who become pregnant bring their babies here for mm-hmm. care. So what greater testament great. to the yeah. value that they put on their care with you guys and to come back. Um, but obviously there is that gap during their right. pregnancy where they're not here. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know if that's their choice, um, I, I think that really, I mean I do I always mention about coming back for birth control mm-hmm. and that this is still, a place where you can be seen mm-hmm. um, yep. once this pregnancy um, is over. Um, it, it's it's a nice message for kids because I mm-hmm. think sometimes um, I feel like they're the, from the moment they find out they're pregnant, they're kind of thrown into a very adult seeming world all right. of a sudden, and right. to realize that like your pediatrician is still there for you, right, <laughs> um, is is I think a nice thing for them to hear. Mm-hmm. And again, they're processing so much right. in that visit um but i i really try to reinforce that and i think that um they do come back mostly so mm-hmm. that's great that's kind of reassuring yeah so we've just dipped our toe in the pool <laughs> on this topic there's obviously a lot more and this is um a, a really challenging thing to deal with in primary care pediatrics which we know you do an awesome job of but i, I know for a lot of our colleagues out there um, that don't have a social worker on site or even access to a social worker in general, that this is a really complicated and, and challenging thing sometimes to manage. So are there good resources that you refer to that could help other people in, in this situation? Yeah. Um, so I really, really think that the, the Planned Parenthood website is an amazing resource mm-hmm. now. Um, um, here in Philadelphia, the Access Matters um, hotline is, is a really nice resource, um, for, um, girls, young women to, to talk about options and, and have some support, Mm -hmm. um, sort of more in a hotline format. Um, so there's a lot and, and the greater Philadelphia Women's Medical Fund has a, has a really good website now Mm -hmm. too, that's got some information. Um, so there's definitely, um, a lot of good information out there. Mm -hmm. It's, getting kids to utilize it mm-hmm. um, more than what their friend says they should do, which mm-hmm. is <laughs> sometimes um, right. those other conversations that have to happen. Yeah, great. Well, thank you so much for pointing us to all of those. We will link to them on our website, which is www.chop.edu slash podcast. And thanks so much for the support that you give to our patients and for now sharing that with a broader audience. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Primary Care Perspectives. You can download and subscribe to future episodes on iTunes or visit chop.edu slash PCP podcasts for a listing of all episodes. I look forward to our next chat.